Hello, welcome to the News in Five for April 2022. I'm your host, Peter Martin, president of Gosselin Martin Associates. As you may know, the News in Five is brought to you monthly, although we've skipped the last couple of months, had a couple of issues that we were dealing with. Uh, so we resume in April. The News in Five will look at five stories. We will look at the market. We will look at the organization, and then we will look at a career best practice. Kind of like the show today, um, catching up on a couple of months that we've missed. We are into spring now. I hope all is well. I hope you had a good winter. But let's kick it off by looking at, as we always do, the market. I've said this before, uh, and I'll repeat it again. It's a um, tough time in the market relative to people with experience in healthcare facilities management leaving it. Was at the Nihis conference two weeks ago, April, uh, beginning of April, um, New England Healthcare Engineer Society. Ran into three different healthcare engineers who have left healthcare. They are in other areas working in facilities management. And I hate to say this, but they're happy. <laughs> and I say that selfishly, that they're happy. Um, and I was talking to, you know, Dave Dejeuner was there and others who were there, and we were talking about that trend of people leaving and finding happiness. And it's kind of, um, it's indicative really of what's going on. Why are folks leaving? Some cases they're burnt out. Some cases they don't feel appreciation. Some cases organizational dysfunction. It's a myriad of reasons. So that was the Nihis conference. We had three people. Another thing uh, that I'm seeing, and this is in our recruitments, um, and I'll go over our jobs in a second because we do have a number of them from vice president level down to director of facilities management. But other industries are now aggressively targeting healthcare facilities management professionals to come work. Data centers where, uh, uh, where data availability needs 24 seven, 365, much like healthcare. Pharmaceuticals, manufacturing. Because there are fewer people across every industry, if you can work in healthcare facilities management at a director or a manager level, it's kind of like the major leagues. You can go to other, uh, you can go to other industries because in many cases, um, it's just not as taxing. And if you work in healthcare facilities management, you know that you've been through a lot for the last two years. So, you know, as we look at the market, that's very concerning. Um, we're fortunate that we're still connected, but you extrapolate over the years. And if there aren't new people coming in, uh, it's going to be very difficult. I would say um, the other thing too, as we look at the market, um, if you're a candidate looking for jobs, and this has really been a continuation, if you don't get callbacks from human resources departments or others who you reach out to, I just say, don't take it personally because um, HR is taxed as well. And so there's just so much going on at all levels. I know sometimes I'll talk to people who are like, Pete, I sent out 10, 15 resumes. I didn't get any calls back. And I really mean this in a way, um, I'm not surprised because people are just busy. So we know in healthcare facilities management, we're looking for people. HR is the same way. So just hang in there, um, keep plugging along, things will happen, um, but it is a difficult time. And, and, and speaking along those lines, I just wanted to share uh, my screen here for a second. We have a number of jobs that we're recruiting for right now. Um, the market's kind of bumped alive, as I was saying, things take time and organizations take time. Everything just takes a little bit more time these days. So patience is key, but what we're working on in Derby, Connecticut, a director of facilities management for Griffin Hospital, 
Massachusetts uh, in Everett, Mass, Cambridge, Mass, Director of Facilities Management for CHA. Down in Fort Lauderdale, Holy Cross Health, uh, Director of Facilities Engineering, Design, Construction. Two Vice President Opportunities, one in beautiful Milwaukee, Wisconsin, at Children's Wisconsin for a VP of Campus and Support Services. And in Bassett, New York, in rural, quaint Bassett, New York, beautiful country, uh, Vice President Non-Clinical Support Services. I also want to bring your attention to this role here, Plant Operator, Burlington, Vermont. Um, we're not recruiting for this. We have, um, we've worked for the UVM Medical Center Vice President Gary Scott, Director of Facilities Management, George Catullo, good men, uh, great organization. George is looking for plan operators and he just can't find them. And so I told him, let me put it onto our website. Let me broadcast it for you. So if you are a plan operations professional, if you know people who are looking for healthcare, the opportunity is on our website, um, but we're just forwarding people directly onto George and his team at the UVM Medical Center. So if you know a plan operator, if you wanna be a plan operator, um, feel free to you know, look out to that one up in Burlington, it's gorgeous. And then of course the five great opportunities that we are recruiting for here, three director of facilities management, two vice presidents, contact information is on our website. So I just wanted to provide that information to you. Um, there's lots going on. So it's an exciting time and it's obviously a daunting time. Let's look at story number two, the organization. Um, and this kind of goes hand in hand with number one, um, I, I received, and, and, and again, we talked to a lot of people, but I think organizations these days are um, so busy that in many ways we're losing that personal touch. And I'm not assigning blame to anybody because we know what it's like out there. Everybody is really um, at their wits end. And but in, 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 in talking to folks, I sense of um, somewhat a level of frustration. Now, many people, I should say, because this is I'm not trying to go down a negative route, people who do or work in the discipline of healthcare facilities management are passionate people. They love what they do. Um, that's why they do it, because they could probably make more money elsewhere, but they stay in healthcare facilities. But a couple of things that I'm hearing is the fact of loyalty. Do we have it anymore? I feel like I'm faceless in the organization. Um, if you're in a larger organization, so I've, I've, a couple of people said these days, it's almost like trying to turn the Titanic to get them to work. We just, we feel boxed in. We feel like we just can't affect change and people get into this because they want to affect change. The other item we're looking at and hearing about is work-life balance. And we've talked about this one before. But I was talking to a VP and she was recruiting for a role. We're not involved in it, but we were talking and she, she was going to hire somebody. Person was asking about work-life balance and do we have it? And, you know, that's an interesting concept these days. Uh, yet another director I was talking to said the same thing. He was, like, he was interviewing a guy and he wanted to know about work-life balance. And the director said to him, this is healthcare. There's only so much work-life balance I can provide to you because you, it is a hospital and we are on 24, seven, 365. So work-life balance is, it's very interesting. I mean, it's easy to say, okay, you're gonna work 60, 65 hours a week because that's the way it was. But then on the other hand, you only wanna work 40, 45 hours a week. So where is that happy medium? And as with the director yesterday, just saying to me, I, I told him there's only so much flexibility I can give you because we work in a hospital, but I think it's, kind of creative solutions. What can you do? Because work-life balance is, uh, you know, it's a, it's increasingly um, 
relevant, right? It's relevant. I would think from a um, candidate perspective, as you evaluate opportunities, and as we talk about loyalty and nameless and faceless and getting stuck in bureaucracies, it's incumbent upon candidates to interview organizations as they interview you and also consider where you're going. You said it before, community hospitals versus large academic medical centers versus systems, very different. Um, and some people thrive in different locations and in different areas of, of um, work. You know, community hospitals, you're out there, you, you get to make a difference, you're, you can be visible. Sometimes you get into large systems, you can't be. And so these are the trade-offs you need to consider. The other one is profit versus nonprofit. Uh, significant difference between the two. I've worked in both. And, um, you know, the for-profit model, it can be difficult for some people to accept. So I think is we move along in this challenging time, uh, candidates need to be selective too into what they're going at and what they're going into. And they need to consider what is the organization? What is the organization I'm getting into? Because they're not going to change for you. You have to adapt to them. We started earlier this year. We rolled out our Revere, uh, revamped Career Hub, making sense of what goes on. Check out our Career Hub. It's on our website, goslam-associates.com. The final uh, story for today, I just wanted to look at career best practices, uh, two of them. First one, and I don't know, this, I'm reading this book. Uh, it's called Mission. And it's about Jimmy Stewart and his, um, his World War II service. It's a really good book. I, I would recommend it. Um, the author has done a nice job retracing because Jimmy Stewart really didn't talk at all about his World War II experience. And so if you don't know who Jimmy Stewart is, great actor, pre-World War II, left Hollywood, enlisted, became a bomber, B-24 um, captain, um, and a colonel, and so he really advanced his military career. And then he came back from the war, filmed It's a Wonderful Life, um, great movie, I, I enjoy that. Every Christmas Eve, we watch that. I watch that with my family right before we go to family and mass on Christmas Eve. It's kind of one of our traditions. Put it on at 12 o'clock after the busyness of the morning is done. It fits into that three hour window. Um, but this is a really good book. And one of the things that stood out to me, you know, we think of Jimmy Stewart, obviously, as an actor, but I thought this was interesting. And it's a career best practice because it speaks to leadership. So bear with me. I'm just going to read it uh, from page 105. One of the pilots in Stewart's squadron was Lieutenant Victor Smith from Charlotte, North Carolina. Stewart learned early on that Smith took an unorthodox approach with the nine men in his flight crew. All of them commissioned officers and enlisted men alike met secretly once a week to fraternize. Rank was not considered and first names were the order of the evening, said co-pilot Bill Miner. We could agree, disagree, offer suggestions without any worry while we ate and drank together. Such actions were against regulation. Jim, they called him Jim, not Jimmy Stewart. Jim was all about regulations and he would never be one to advocate cutting corners or skirting rules. Whatever the regulations were, that is what would be done. He went by the book, said Barry Shalito, a co-pilot in the 703rd. I can't stress that enough. He went by the book. Jim later learned that a second pilot, George Wright from Baltimore, was keeping things informal with his crew, and he wasn't interested in his non-coms saluting or calling the officer, sir. 
right out of the gate, Jim had determined. So he'd just become a, a captain. He was in the 703 bomber squadron. Uh, B-24s is what Stewart flew in multiple missions over Europe. But right out of the gate, Jim had to determine what to do about Smith and his parties and Wright and his informality. He should speak with both of them and remind them of regulations, or should he? Close communication like Smith and Wright were promoting aligned with Stewart's belief that the pilots needed to form bonds with the engineers and the crew. To Jim, teamwork and knowing how everyone thought in the crisis meant survival, which trumped even the officer's manual. He decided he would never advocate informality among his crews, but neither did he take any action to stop it. Jim realized right away that regulations and common sense had to go hand in hand when leading men who were putting their lives on the line every day in service to their country. So that was really interesting. And, and, and that part caught me about leadership. Regulations and common sense. I think sometimes we lose the ability or we lose the common sense part of that in leadership. So I cannot recommend this book enough. Uh, I got about 20 more pages to go into it and I hope to finish it. But um, Stuart was a remarkable guy. He never talked about his service. Very, um, you know, they talk about in the war, how the press was always trying to get to him. They always wanted him to do press conferences. He wanted none of it. They talk about Clark Gable, who I don't remember Clark Gable, um, but a, another famous actor. Clark Gable was also enlisted and he was always all about the press. And they said he had an entourage and they followed him everywhere. And they were always questioning his motives. He did serve our country, but he also promoted off of it. And Stewart wanted none of that. Um, did not go to the press. And so very private man. So I thought that was an interesting read. The other thing relative to leadership that I wanted to point out um, as you hopefully you listen to our high reliability podcasts, which we um, which we drop two every month, our latest, uh, or depending upon when you listen to this, maybe not our latest, but I did one with Scott Hemingway back in April. Scott is director of security in Brockton Hospital, Signature Healthcare in Brockton, Massachusetts. He's got an interesting career. He served in the military, served as a military police officer, got out of the military, served 23 years in the Rhode Island State Police, rose to the um, rank of lieutenant. Scott and I, I'm from Rhode Island originally, so Scott and I could have talked about Rhode Island for the whole time, but we didn't. But I'd encourage you to listen to that uh, podcast because Scott has a lot of career lessons and leadership lessons. But one of the things that he talked about, he used a lot of acronyms. And, and the one that stuck out to me was Q-tip. He uses Q-tip with his staff. Quit taking it personally, which I really love. Uh, and these days, as you know, it's easy to take everything personally. And he advocates that, uses that with the staff. I know use it. I really like that. So that could be another um, career best practice at a management level. We got Stuart talking about regulations and then using common sense. And we have Scott talking about quit taking it personally. So that was the news in five for April, went a little bit long. If you are interested in any of our five opportunities or up at UVM Medical Center, feel free to contact me. I can send you on the right way. This is the news in five. I am Peter Martin from Goslin Martin Associates. I thank you for watching and have a great day. And we'll be back next month and we'll see you then.